Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is what inspired your last three books? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the always inspirational T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? I'm always inspirational. Can I just, like, cut it there? Uh, like, do I need to, like, prove it? Because then I think it's just going to go downhill. No. I think we'll just we'll just leave it. We'll stick it on a T-shirt or something. Always inspirational yeah. until she speaks. Yeah. <laughs> until she... <laughs> until she... <laughs> she was really good and then she opened her mouth anyway go on open your mouth tell me about your week all right all right miranda and i are furiously working on our november one edit deadline we're recording this on the 25th of october so for the people who are really good at math that's only you know less than a week less than a week away and like every other deadline we face is gonna be a squeaker will we make it who knows I really hope so because uh, not only is this a tight deadline, but it's also a Christmas book. And we're already behind schedule for a Christmas book. So that pretty much sums up my entire year. This is what I've been doing all freaking year. I have so much to do, not enough time to do it, and I'm always trying to meet that next deadline. I'm always trying to survive to that next deadline. And then another one hits, and then I'm trying to survive to the next one. So um, this has been a rough year. It's been really rough, but in good news, there are now more than 1,500 sapphic books in the iHeart Sapphic Book Finder. Uh, we launched the site on October 3rd, so it's been less than a month, and to date, we have more than 60,000 views, and a lot of those hits are on the Book Finder page results, so readers are enjoying the Book Finder and finding new books, and we're trying to make it a lot easier for them to find them. So it's kind of exciting that it's working out, even though it's been a lot of work, which is one of the reasons why I'm always behind. So, well, that is exciting. So you're getting lots of people uh, searching for lesbian pirates who wear tutus, that sort of thing. We didn't add tutus. We should add tutus. That was an oversight on our part, because (laughs) who doesn't love a pirate in a tutu? After I meet the November 1 edit, there's no rest for me, because November is nano. And Adrian J. Smith, a sapphic author and a team member of IHS, will be holding Zoom writing sprints almost every day in November. And both Miranda and I will be participating. I've been popping into Adrian's Wednesday night sprints, and it's been fun. Uh, We chat some, we do 25-minute sprints, we chat, repeat. So it's a great uh, great way to network and build community. So if you're interested, join the I Heart Sapphic author Facebook group. I'll drop that link in the show notes and sign up for the sprints. Um, They're happening 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday, and 7.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. So if you want to nano, come nano with us. That's a a very good idea. Uh, Yeah, I know that there are a lot of people uh, listening to this podcast who are uh, authors, probably a lot of authors or aspiring authors, 
But whether you're an author or an aspiring author, you always think that you should be writing and that you're not writing enough. So, um, and that is true for me. Uh, so it's good to um, have some accountability, isn't it, with these uh, writing sprints. So how do you do them? Are they on Zoom? Are they on Slack? What are they? It will be on Zoom. The links for the uh, nano sprints are in the um, IHS author Facebook group. If you haven't already joined the group, I highly encourage you to do it. And then uh, drop in on the links and we'll see you there. It'll be a lot of fun and hopefully fruitful on the writing front. Hopefully. I, I will admit in the writing sprints leading up to this, um, I was entering books into the database. But it was kind of nice. I mean, it kind of works for all things, really, because it was like 25 minutes of focus time, so I was able just to focus on that. So it was helping me. But um, during November, I will be writing a new project. So I will actually be doing NANO. And what does NANO stand for again? National... National Novel Writing Month. In the group, in the Facebook group, we've been, um, Adrian's been hosting Facebook Lives where she's been talking about it. And also M. Stevens has also been um, doing TikTok videos and sharing like how to prepare for nano. So if you haven't checked them out, I would highly recommend checking them out before you start nano. So, and other news, because I never have enough going on in my life, we're organizing the next November mega sale on iHeartSafic, which will run November 25th through the 29th. So far, we have well over 100 books involved. And the last day, authors, to submit your books is November 14th, and I'll drop that link in the show notes. So, I have a book I'm trying to finish. I have the database we're trying to build. I'm thinking of starting my next project, and I have a mega sale. Mm. And fun news, excuse me, and fun news, it's hiking season for me. I know summer should have been hiking season, but I hate hot. When it cools off, I start hitting the trails again, so the, uh, the majority of the bugs are gone. The leaves are stunning, beautiful, autumnal. I can't say that word. Autumnal. All colors. Autumnal. Thank you. Yeah, it's just natural word for me. <laughs> just natural. So, and it's still nice enough to go out without bundling up too much. Like, the other day I went hiking in um, just a t-shirt. Well, I had, I had jeans on as well, so that would be a bit weird. If <laughs> that I would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard of frolicking free in nature, but you know. Yeah, but the only part I don't like this time of year is the hunters. The other day I was hiking and I stumbled upon two guys in full camel with their face painted green and black with bows and arrows. And I have to admit, it was intimidating. It was very intimidating. Luckily, I was only about 50 yards from the parking lot. So, like... But I was like, you know, they'd probably shoot me before I could make it. I was going to say, yeah, don't go hiking in a bear costume either. All right. Sir, I don't think it's bear season right now. I think they were going for birds. But still, it's just always, like I used to, I mean, I've lived around hunters all my life. I lived in um, Colorado. But like when I would go hiking on the trails in Colorado, I didn't run into hunters. But here in Massachusetts, I'm constantly running into hunters during this time of year. And it's, it's just kind of weird. Like, we have the hiking recreational space and then people who with bow and arrows and guns. It doesn't seem like a good mix. Mm, no. <laughs> so that's what's been going on here. How about you? I, I, um, like, things are exciting in your life on many fronts. You well, have a new prime minister mm. and then you have big news. Yeah, so um, this, well, since we last spoke, um, quite a lot's happened, really. So first, TV's nodding, like, yes, it has. <laughs> If I ignore all the uh, political hijinks that have been going on, because um, 
I can't be do I can't be focusing on that TV. I've got too much else going on. So, in happy news, the Christmas catch, my uh, festive romance, has launched. Hurrah! Um, and you know, I'm very as I said before, I'm very pleased with this book. Uh, I'm I like the story. I like the characters. I like the cover. But my God, the launch was not a smooth one. And it's still not a smooth one, <laughs> um, you know, nearly uh, 10 days after it actually was submitted to uh, Kindle. So um, I think I said the last time round, the print book um, went live in two hours. So the print book, all good. Uh, but then I took, uh, then I put the ebook up on Sunday morning uh, and it was due for release officially, you know, as I told everybody, on the 19th of, which was a Wednesday. Now, I have never had an ebook take longer than 12 hours to post. So I was expecting it to be up by the end of the play, end of play Sunday, at latest Monday, and then for an official launch on Wednesday. Well, Monday happened, nothing. Tuesday happened, nothing. Wednesday happened, and I gave you a frantic phone call. <laughs> like that, wasn't it? Pretty much like that. Um, and then uh, I, I'd also uh, called Kindle quite a few times at this point, uh, emailed them. I couldn't get a, a helpful answer out of anybody until the 72 hours had passed because they were all just like, you have to wait 72 hours. But I said, it, and no matter, I said, you know, this doesn't normally happen. And I'm still not sure why. But anyway, it took five full days to publish, eventually published on Thursday the 20th. But then the, the book description still had all the HTML tags in, even though it was fine on my dashboard. Um, and then when they fixed the HTML tags, then they made it all really, really big type and bold. So it looked like I was shouting at you with the entire book description. It, again, it wasn't like that on my dashboard. So more phone calls, more emails, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we're now at the point where it took probably about a week for all the issues to be ironed out, but they're still not all ironed out. Um, in Australia at the moment you can't post a review in Germany and France you can't no Germany sorted out but in France you can't post a review there's no rhyme or reason this this uh, launch has just been a little quite troubled the thing that hasn't been troubled is that people are finding it and reading it so that's good but um you know I, I had to postpone my official launch by nearly a week um so it just goes to show that all these things can trip you up even when you know I've launched quite a few books before I'm amazed that the paperback went live in two hours because that usually takes like the full 24 hours for me and then the ebook took so long and then the whole HTML stuff on the blurbs for like that first day is just killing me because like that is literally not how it looks on our dashboard. We no. can preview what it's going to look like and then you go to the book page when it launches and you're like, what the heck is this? And it takes them a while hmm. and then once they figure that out, and then it takes a while to get your books to rank now. Like it used to be like once you got the first sale, it would start ranking. And mm -hmm. now that takes days. Yeah. And then like we, I think when we launched um, Devil's Advocate, like we didn't tell the, it was live on Amazon for like three or four days. And we didn't tell the art team that time because it was all messed up on on when we were just like, please don't find it yet. It's not ready, <laughs> it's not ready for showtime, even though it's like live on the website. And then we had to like slowly launch it because there were a lot of issues and it sounds like it's getting worse, not better. Yeah, I don't know. You see, I've never done it this way around. I've never launched print first, ebook second. And I don't know if that had an impact. It shouldn't, it really shouldn't. But you know, it's quite often that you launch the ebook that comes out normally within 12 hours. And then 
um, if you launch print but then it does normally take a few days for that to launch and then for them to link the two books on the same page um, but yeah I, who knows uh, you'll never get to the bottom of it with Kindle um, but I mean do, as we always say do ring up as well I was emailing them but I did ring up but just, it, it really does depend on who you get on the end of an email and on the end of a phone because some of them were just really shockingly unhelpful whereas some of them were quite helpful so yeah but anyway the long and short of it is I'm hoping that it's almost all right now but the thing that was annoying was uh, the book description was different in each country and they just kept telling me to republish yet when I re and yeah all the republish took took less than an hour every time I did it so that was crazy because my ebook took five days to publish and then all the republishing was so quick however um that it was different on every country so that was what was driving me mad because like they'd sort out America and then Canada would go wrong then they'd sort out Canada and then Australia would go wrong and Australia's still not okay so there we are yeah if you go to um devil's advocate the book page on a on a on a phone um devil's advocate is spelled wrong because it because it has the apostrophe so it has like the symbols for the apostrophe I, I don't see it on the dashboard but when i look at it on my phone it's weird and they can't seem to fix that mm, yeah it's a lot of fun amazon it is i love i enjoy it it's <laughs> on your toes <laughs> i was talking to somebody um from amazon last night which i'll talk about a, a little more in a minute uh but i did say to them can, can i just email you next time if anything like this happens and they did say to me yes you can so um obviously and then they said but don't give my email out to everybody I said, no, all right then, I'll just put it on my podcast, no. I'm joking, <laughs> joking, Darren. Anyway, so um, other writing news. Uh, so it, my football book, so I reread what I'd done, so I'm writing, starting to write again. Um, so it's slow going, but um, that's because so much went wrong with this bloody launch. So it, again, that holds up your writing. See, I, I, I need hard deadlines, don't I, TV, like you? Because uh, if, if something goes wrong with my goes wrong elsewhere I just stop writing so <laughs> it's not very really, not very helpful um I went to but I've been doing research right so I went to see Spurs women versus Liverpool women and um we won one nil go the Spurs ladies it was a it was a game of two halves we played really well in the first half and then we just sat back and defended and oh my god it was like watching Tottenham men so uh, but we did we, we hung on for a grim win so hurrah but because um I am all into the football research at the moment and, and and I'm a glutton for punishment I've also bought two Spurs half season tickets for the men so which means I've got half a season so I'm going to every home game from January 10 home games the remaining remainder of the season I've bought two tickets at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so I'm going to be really miserable for 10, 10 home games to be or will I be happy who knows it's hard to know is it just a um where was the women's Spurs game? Was it at their stadium? No, they they have a different oh. home stadium, um, and their home stadium is at Leighton Orient, which is actually a lot closer and a lot easier for me to get to. So, I was wondering if it was like a ghost of some sort because like the Spurs can play really fantastic and then they can play bloody awful, and there doesn't seem to be an in between. No, there isn't. <laughs> So I don't know why I wasted my money and my time buying two half-season tickets, but that is the life of a football fan. So in other big news, um, the Kindle Storyteller Awards. Now, you might remember me saying last time I was shortlisted, which was amazing. Um, and the awards were held last night in the Houses of Parliament. So the sad news was I didn't win. Can I, can I get a boo-hoo? 
Well, I just like to say you're a winner to all of oh, us. Thanks, TB. Um, but you know what? Um, I was, I was, I know people always say, you know, oh, it's just great to be nominated. But honestly, it was, it was. Um, and I met up with all we we had a WhatsApp group with all the um, all the shortlisted all five of us all the shortlisted authors on a WhatsApp group. So we were all chatting beforehand, and then we all met up in the hotel because Amazon put us up in a posh central London hotel. We all met up for a rooftop drink before the ceremony, and it was they were all so lovely. That's one of the things I think I will take away. I know anyway, but authors are just a really supportive bunch in general, and um, these were. All different authors, like they, nobody else was a um, sapphic fiction author. It was a thriller author, a proce police procedural author, a Vikings historical author, and a, a thriller. So uh, uh, all very different walks of life, um, but everybody was just so lovely. And I was I was really thrilled for the guy that won, which is who was uh, Peter Gibbons. He was a lovely guy. Uh, and he was the Viking historical, won the day. So, but it was it was just fabulous to be nominated, to go to the House of Commons in such a historic week when we get another new prime minister. I did apply for the job, but I didn't win the prize or become prime minister. So, you know, some might say I failed last night, but not me. Do you really want to be prime minister? <laughs> yes, I think I can give I... it a good go. Oh man, it seems like, I don't know who wants that job. Because it's, I mean, the, the obstacles they're going to have to try to overcome are just, Ma, all I, I can say is good luck. I'm running on, I was running on a ticket of uh, romance with all the feels, uh, guaranteed happy endings, TB. Um, I, I think the whole country could see that that was not going to work, so um, I, didn't get, I didn't get voted through. Rishi Sunak got it. I don't know. What's he got that I haven't got, apart from £730 million? Anyway, crashing on. <laughs> Yes, so it it was it was fantastic to go along and um, meet a lot of writers. I met a lot of the other uh, people who've won it in previous years and other shortlisted uh, authors. So yeah, it was just it was just a lovely time and we got a goodie bag as well. So that was nice. I got a Kindle Oasis, an Amazon Echo, and a bottle of champagne and a writing journal. So it's nice to get free things in a bag, isn't it? That's pretty nice. Yes, and you were one of five authors shortlisted. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's a big fucking deal. Well, no, it was. And I did speak. So the guy I was speaking to uh, last night was Darren, the UK head of Kindle, who you've met before, I think, as well. And who you're going to give me his email? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Anybody wants his email? <laughs> Let me know. No, no, not really, Darren. Honest. Um, but I was asking him how many authors, how many people, you know, uh, entered. And he said, well, we have a count on the page, but it stops counting after 5,000. Um, he said, if I had to hazard a guess, at least 10,000 people. So I was, you know, one of five out of 10,000. So you've got to be happy with that, haven't you? I'd love to have won, obviously, but you've got to be happy with that. Are you going to add uh, that description to your book page, shortlisted for the Kindle Storyteller Award? Oh, yeah, I should, shouldn't I? Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, TB. Um, the other thing, uh, so that was this week, so that was all very exciting. That was actually last night, and um, I'm a little, I'm a little jaded. I'm not as hungover as I thought I would be, because or, or, or as I should be, but I'm a little jaded. I might go to bed a little bit earlier tonight, but it was fun. Had a fun day, and then this weekend, um, I'm off on another caravan writing retreat. Remember those? I got some going away um, to a caravan uh, with six other authors, all gay fiction authors, MM, male uh, romance. Uh, but we, we go to a caravan, 
we hole up in the caravan, we all share cooking duties, and we write, write, write for three days. So um, I always get a lot done. So actually I'm looking forward to it because it's come at a good time when I really need to just sit down and focus. And you know, the key thing that makes you focus in a caravan, there ain't no Wi-Fi. Yeah, so exciting, exciting things. My launch is, is almost out and good. Um, writing will hopefully get back on track. I didn't win a prize, but aren't we all winners in the end? You are at least, come Thanks. on. Yeah. Give yourself a, a pat on the back, come okay. on. Okay, okay. You're not, you're not doing it. Oh, sorry, yeah. You can hear that, everyone. Right. There you go. Oh, I actually hurt myself there. Right, comments, comment monitor. Got anything? All right, yeah, we have a two comments so far. So far? No, let me start again. Yes, we have two comments this week. First up is Jamie Moody, a fellow sapphic author, who said, I'm still listening to the podcast and I'm grateful for you and Claire leading me on this grand adventure. If you ever doubt what you're doing, I would not be writing books and publishing if I hadn't happened upon your podcast. Isn't that a nice comment? That is lovely. Yeah. And, I, and do you know what, Jamie? Every time I see a new book of yours, I'm I'm always a little bit proud. Like, like you know, we helped you get there. So that's nice. Yes. And congrats. It's not easy to say you want to be a writer and publish. A lot of people want to be writers, but they don't get that publishing part. So... You should be very proud of yourself. Up next, we have a comment. Let me read. Let me read it before I give out the name. So, when asked if you can meet any author, who would it be? Sandy on Twitter replied, "Too many to choose from, but listen to Les who write and TV sounds like fun." Mm. Am I the fun one? I would have put money on you being the fun one. <laughs> I know. I'll take it, Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> Sandy, what about my sexy British accent? Come on. Well, I was just like, oh wow. But uh, thank you very much, Sandy and Jamie, for the lovely comments. Yeah. What about you? Do you have comments on your side this time? I was just thinking maybe Sandy's uh, British, so she doesn't. She finds your accent a sexy US accent, TV. Maybe. 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 I ain't got no comments, so crash on. Coffees. Maybe I am the fun one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coffees. Uh no 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 coffee updates this week. Okay. No coffee. No comments. No love. So let's crash on to the topic at hand, which is um, a twist on one of the most common questions we are asked as writers, and that is, where do you get your inspiration? So um, when I was thinking about what we should ask ourselves this week, I thought we'd delve into the reasons behind our last three releases so, so that you can see uh, where the inspiration comes from. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to go one book, one book, and then one book, one book? are tied together so you might want to go first and then I can I can do my okay my tie together okay right so my latest book the Christmas cat uh, is my latest uh, is my festive rom-com now um, obviously this one was in it's a, it's a road trip um, so it's about two women who are trying to make it home in time for Christmas all their transports keeps breaking down and they're gonna you know quietly fall in love with each other along the way with a, a huge load of mishaps so where did the inspiration for this come can i guess if you like yeah was it planes trains and automobiles well that's what I, I did kind of put that i think in a couple of places but i've never seen that movie obviously i understand what it's about but i've never seen it i don't think we can continue this conversation yeah. <laughs> i'm just You've never seen You've Got Mail or Planes Trips? No, no. 
the two characters are trying to get from Glasgow to Dartmouth in Devon. So um, let's take those two places first. Uh, Dartmouth in Devon is a, is a beautiful uh, sort of seatide um, town and it's really quaint. Uh, it's got great um, views over the sea. Uh, it's got lovely shops and bars and restaurants and it's just really, it's really picturesque, picturesque. So I decided that they would get, I was looking at, you know, what's the uh, longest distance that they'd have to travel because they needed a, a way to go to make it, you know, to have all the things happen. So Glasgow to Devon so that's a, is about 460 miles and I like Glasgow. So that was the, that was the reason behind those two choices. Um, I'd been to them both and I like both of them. But it was basically inspired by my love of Christmas. Um, I wanted to write another Christmas novel and I actually love a road trip movie. So it's kind of weird that I haven't seen Plane, Trains and Automobiles and maybe I should. Um, but it's basically inspired by the absolute bazillion amount of holiday movies I've ever watched. So I've already, I think I'm, I think I'm up to four or five uh, Christmas movies so far this year from the Hallmark Channel. Um, I even did a rewatch of one I watched last year because I really liked that one. And I should really, I think that'll probably be my next Christmas book. That's one of those ones where they get snowed in at a cabin and, you know, one of their family, it's a, it's a cabin owned by somebody's uncle and then somebody's aunt and then they have to squabble over the ownership but obviously then they fall in love and get snowed in um so maybe that'll be my next one but um i have seen i've quite i've seen quite a number of christmas road trip movies on the hallmark channel so i think i just got inspiration from all of those and i probably took little bits of those uh, different road trip Christmas movies and then added uh, bits of my own so I think that's probably why I'm really pleased with this because I do love a Christmas movie and I wanted to emulate the feeling of a Hallmark Christmas movie so I hope I managed it. I haven't read it yet but I'm sure you have because I know one thing about you you've seen a shitload of those movies. A veritable shitload yes so if you yes. know if anyone knows the Christmas feels and how I want them to feel it's me. Do you have like an estimate? Can you estimate how many of those movies you've actually watched? If I had to guess, I don't think we're in triple figures, but I'd say we're definitely over 50. Okay, so that, that's that's quite a lot of research. Decent. You are dedicated. Decent. And I, and, and, my, and my most favoured ones I've, I've watched a few times. Yes. And do you read a lot of Christmas books? Um. Yeah. I mean, right. when I say lots... As many books, I don't, I'm not one of those people who reads like 10 books a month, but yeah, I have read quite a few different Christmas books. All right. So. All right. All right. Well, so, so you, you got the, you get the Christmas street cred. Mm. All right. So I also am going to discuss Christmas at Rainbow Falls, which is the book I need to finish by November 1. Mm -hmm. Will I do it? I don't know. But that is actually tied to take two, which was the pride story uh, Miranda and I co-wrote for the um, I Heart Sapphic Pride Collection. While both of the books are standalones, in Take Two, it's a small town second chance romance where one of the leading ladies is an actor who stars in holiday films. We don't say she's like a Hallmark actor, but uh, she she's like, we call her the queen of Christmas. So it's kind of like that. So, um, and she has to, she returns home to film in her small town and then uh, her ex needs someone the Grand Marshal of the Pride Parade that uh, she is spearheading for her college has flamed out and she needs a star, so she approaches her ex, who is now the Queen of Christmas. 
So there's all that uh, stuff going on behind the scenes. And so the two dated in college, didn't end well. One chased their dreams and became an actor. The other one who used to write screenplays, quit writing screenplays, and uh, started teaching film in college. So, but she had written a Christmas romance screenplay play back in college. So we obviously, for uh, take two, we needed the pride theme, but we also kind of layered in this Christmas stuff because like, it's like July and she's they're filming the Christmas movie, which I always find funny when I go to the small towns in Massachusetts time, that time of year. Because you do stumble on some of these, like, uh, productions, and it's, like, they got, like, all the snow and everything, and it's, like, you're just, like, dripping in sweat, and they're all bundled up, and it's just kind of funny to watch. And so we kind of put that humor into it and everything. So, um, but what we wanted to do was the screenplay that they're actually filming in Take Two is the book we're writing now. It's Christmas in Rainbow Falls. But what was the inspiration for it? The inspiration is a town i don't know if you remember last year when i kept going on adventures with pepper yeah and i, I kept finding my way back to shelburne falls which is a, a town that's a few hours away from me it's in uh i forget what part of Ma- central massachusetts there's actually a, a st- <laughs> i'm not very good at geography but i fell in love with this town it's a small town it has a lovely bookstore with a cat in it and it has the falls obviously and um so i kept going back to this town and I, I said when we were, we started discussing take two, I was like, I would like to set it in a Shelbourne Falls type area because I just really like the town. And so that is where we started. Also, this may surprise a lot of people because I can be the super cranky one, but it was actually a Christmas story I penned back in the sixth grade that kind of set me up on this career as a writer because my teacher liked it and encouraged me to become a writer. So Christmas has always been very special to me. So I think we're tying all of that inspiration into two books. And it's just, I love this time of year. It's still not December yet. And that's when like the Christmas la la la, fa la 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 starts to wane on me because, uh, wear on me, I mean, because there's just so much Christmas. But right now it's still, we're just entering fall. It's still exciting with that anticipation before all the deadlines and everything of Christmas start weighing you down. So yeah, so it was... I wanted to set the inspiration was Shelburne Falls and I wanted small town romances because I really enjoy getting out and exploring in my car and I was able to fall in love with some places and I wanted to see romance there. Okay. So that's two inspirations. So I'm okay. already up on you. Oh, well, wow. I, be, I, I better give you my second one then. So the book before uh, Christmas Catch was It Started With a Kiss, my my Kindle uh, Storyteller shortlisted book, I should say. It Started With A Kiss is based in a Surrey vineyard. It's my sunshine um, my sunshine summer romance. So it was inspired by um, last year I went with four of my friends from university. Um, we went up for a weekend and we went on a wine and cheese tasting in a, in a UK Surrey vineyard called Albury Vineyard. And it was a gorgeous vineyard and it was a really, it's a small family run business. And the woman who did the uh, talk and the tasting was fantastic. And she was a really good speaker. And I could also see her as as the lead in a lesbian romance. And then her and my friend who love wine started chatting and their enthusiasm sort of bounced off each other. And they were just like chatting. And I thought, 
Hmm. If she could be the lead in the lesbian romance, my friend could be the other lead. Um, you know. So then I thought, what about a, vin a vineyard um, sapphic romance? So that's the inspiration. But the inspiration also was just uh, how fantastic this woman was at her job. The conversation they had, I knew I could work off that. In the end, um, it, it wasn't exactly, it didn't turn out exactly like that, but that was my initial inspiration. In the end, um, the character that goes into the vineyard, um, she's not a, a huge wine buff like my mate was, so I didn't. it didn't exactly pan out as I initially intended. However, the setting was there from the start. And this was even though we went in November, so we were the very last talk because they shut down for three months for tastings because it's too cold and wet. Um, but I could even see there that, you know, in the summer months, put a bit of sunshine on it and vineyards are just romantic, aren't they? And also this, this um, vineyard was um, biodynamic and organic and very holistic. So, and uh, they went out at night to ward off the frost by lighting candles and just sitting watching the flames. And so I could just see romance um, flickering in the by candlelight at night. I was just like, oh my God, there's so many, much opportunity for romance here. It was the perfect setting. I have some questions. Mm. So this book, basically you wanted to see your, your friends boink? <laughs> well, I only, I, only one of my friends. Uh, with the, with the with the lady running the class, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So that's that. Okay, but they would light candles outside and sit outside. Was were the candles for light or heat? Were they just trying to give them the positive energy while sitting outside? No, they're, they're so they're they're for heat. The candles are French candles. They're called bougies, and they're about the si size of a paint tin. And um, during when the buds when the buds burst, it's sort of around March April time. And then from the bud burst to flower, they have to keep the, the buds okay. And if they get attacked by frost, they can die and then their harvest is gone. So for about six to eight weeks, they have to make sure that the frost doesn't get them. And obviously that would normally happen at night. So what they have is they have a weather center linked up at the top of their all their fields where they've got the uh, vines. And if the temperature drops below a certain temperature, they get a signal on their phone. This actually happens. And then they have to go and get all these paints in tin sized candles out called bougies, put them 12 feet apart all along the vines and then light them one by one um, and then sit and watch these candles and they give off heat so that they keep the temperature up. And then as soon as the temperature rises at sunrise, then they go along and blow out all the candles. But this can happen every night, it sometimes for, for six to eight weeks. I, I did ask the woman when we were doing the talk, how, what's the, like the worst uh, cold winter frost that you've had? Well, I suppose it's spring there, isn't it? It's a cold spring. Um, and she, how many times have you been called out? And she said, oh, one year, it was 33 nights. So out of six to eight weeks, that's like, oh, you know, two thirds of the nights probably. Whereas she said that there was that really hot summer, the um the COVID summer, whatever that was, 2020, yeah. That was their best harvest ever. Uh, and they were only called out three nights in, in that whole six, six to eight week period. So, but she said it can be the difference between like say 25,000 bottles you'll get from your, from your um, harvest. Uh, in their worst year, they only got 3,000 bottles because they didn't, all the grapes died because they just couldn't keep them alive. So it, so there's a lot of um, trepidation, but also inspiration to be had in a vineyard. But it was really interesting to learn about vineyards and, and these really archaic, but kind of romantic methods they use. Like you think it would be more up to date, but it's not. They used it's all over the world. It's, this is still how they keep the vines alive. 
Now I want to go to, to some of the vineyards around here and, and ask them if they use this method because um, I was picturing them just like, you know, with like candles like on, like, you know, when you see in the Dickensian movies <laughs> or walking around candles to see light in, in their houses or something. No, no. <laughs> with like the, you know, the, the Victorian nightgowns and <laughs> sleeping caps. I was like, this seems fun. But that sounds like a lot of work, actually. It does. That does not seem fun. It sounds hard. Yes. <laughs> But the woman at the um, the woman, uh, not the same woman, but the the woman that runs uh, this particular vineyard, Albury, she was so lovely, and I rang her and I I, I quizzed her because that's what I do for my book research. I quizzed her for like an hour and a half, and she gave me loads of her time, and I was explaining what I was doing, and she also said that you know in in their barn, whether well, they call it a barn, but it's a it's a big modern sort of facility where they do the tastings and stuff. Um, she said they've got a little hut at the end of it, and they've got a a sofa bed in there so that if you want to you put all the bougies on and then you can maybe go for a kip for a couple of hours because you know that as soon as you put them on you they're going to have to be lit for you know at least a couple of hours um so you don't have to sit there literally watching them all because they should be fine um you know nothing's burnt down yet in the many years they've been you know but but they do all need to be put out intense work I didn't realize that I mean I knew it was a, a risky proposition anyway and probably getting harder and harder with climate change but that sounds interesting mm. no wonder it was shortlisted was this the one that was shortlisted it was shortlisted no wonder it was shortlisted it was the candles it was it was the bougies yes all right so my next book is uh devil's advocate which was recently released um I kind of struggled trying to remember the inspiration for this one. I won't lie. We wanted to write an enemies to lovers age gap, a la Heart of Ice in the AM show. I really enjoy writing enemies to lovers because, um, especially in the beginning, there's so much snark between the characters. And it's just so much fun, the banter um, back and forth, um, because you got to show, A, they don't like each other, but there's also that hidden spark, and they probably don't know yet what that spark means. But um, I really just enjoy that atmosphere. Atmosphere? I don't think that's the right word. Setup? Setup, maybe. Mm. I really enjoy that setup because I find it challenging and fun. And um, I couldn't remember if I'd already started watching The Good Wife or if I started watching The Good Wife when I realized we wanted to make them lawyers. Because when you think of enemies in a workplace, I was like, well, you know, lawyers kind of hate each other because they, like, go after each other in court and everything. So, um... I was surprised that we were able to make corporate lawyers, who really aren't known being cuddly, to um, kind of being cuddly. Uh, one reviewer so far said that um, they didn't know that they could fall in love with corporate lawyers, that, but somehow we made uh, the reviewer fall in love with corporate lawyers, so there was that. But I do remember the inspiration for one of the characters in Devil's Advocate, and that is Happy the Diving Dog. So, back in July... Miranda and I traveled to New Mexico for uh, GCLS, and as you may have noticed from the intro of this episode, I've been going nonstop all year, and I had been going nonstop particularly to the lead-up to uh, the July trip because we just had the Pride Month, and we launched that big Pride collection, and I was exhausted. So by the time we landed in New Mexico, I was just completely wiped, <laughs> and so I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to, like, rest and sleep. So we ended up going to dinner at the restaurant in the hotel, and I wasn't very chatty, 
And so we both started watching um, television behind the bar, and it was dog diving. Have you ever seen dog diving competitions? Um, no, you know what? You'll be surprised to know. No, I haven't. Okay, I had not either. Mm. I did not know this was a sport. So basically, it's where dogs run a short distance, and then they have to dive across a pool where, when because their owner is throwing a toy across the water, and they have to dive and try to catch it. But they don't win by catching it, because most of the time they don't. But they're, they're judged on how far they jump into the water, and then they land in the pool, and then they swim and go get the toy and come back up. And they're very happy doing this. Mm. It's just exciting for them. So... Oddly, we got really into this. <laughs> so we ended up, like, we, we started cheering on the dogs. We were those people in the bar. We're like, come and Like, I forget the dogs' names. But we were, like, really getting involved into it. And so um, we kind of needed a character that would soften some of the harshness of the lawyers. And what better way to do that than introduce a cute puppy who you're going to train to be a diving dog. Right. So that's how Happy came into being. Right. So it was it was um, induced by the fact that I was too tired to talk during dinner in New Mexico and got into a, a sport I didn't know existed. And now, um, recently, uh, Miranda and I were meeting up in the North End because that was another inspiration for Devil's Advocate. We wanted one of the characters to live in the North End, I think I told you I love cannoli, so mm-hmm. I love going to the North End as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So that was inspiration for her location, so I could go have another excuse to go do more research in the North End as a guide, so I can just basically eat a lot of cannoli and pizza. That day we were meeting up, she's like, she texted me early that morning, and she's like, I, I have, I'm going to throw a wrench into the plans, because we had planned on spending the entire day in the North End to get some shots for, like, the release, and so we could share, like, you know, this is... This is the setting and everything like that. She's like, there is a fair going on about an hour away from the North End, and there's going to be diving dogs. So we spent half the day in North End. I still got my cannoli because that was important. And then we went and watched diving dogs practice. We weren't there for the big competition, but we got to watch them practice, and it was a lot of fun. Mm. So you never know you where you're going to get inspiration. You don't. Uh, you know, and uh, so, but you're, so you got the setting. You got the dogs. Uh, was there any particular reason why it was setting in, in a corporate legal arena? Or is it just you thought that would be a good office type affair? We thought that would be fun to watch them tango in the same office. And uh, we hadn't, we've set, we've set Heart of Ice is the finance world. <laughs> the AM show was set in New York in the media world. And we were like, well, what's another office setting where it can get really cutthroat? And I was like, lawyers. So that's how we landed on that. And then I I, I still can't remember if I started watching The Good Wife before or after. But The Good Wife obviously played a big role in it because I ended up watching, I ended up watching all of the seasons of The Good Wife. And then I just finished, uh, wait, I don't think I finished The Good Fight yet. I think I forgot about The Good Fight. I still have the last five episodes of The Good Fight. But yeah. But we just thought it would be a fun way to make the enemies to lovers work. And I, I was in uh, I was in Provincetown a couple some uh, weekends ago, a couple summers ago, a couple weekends ago, 
And uh, I was listening to Melissa Brayden talk, and she also likes the enemies to lovers trope. <laughs> she was, um, and then it was the second chance she was talking about. And I just love the way she put it. She was like, so the two leading ladies, their grocery carts bang together, and then they bang later. <laughs> very good. Uh, yeah, it obviously is a very popular trope, but every time I, I, I'm terrible at writing enemies to lovers, um, I should challenge myself to do it, shouldn't I? But uh, every time I write it, you know, they're meant to be uh, warring with each other and then they just start flirting. And I'm like, stop flirting, stop it. And then they're like giggling and making jokes. So yeah, I'm not very good at that. Well, you just have to make them warring in a flirty way. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a challenge. I really love the challenge of it. I just find it a lot of fun. Okay, very good. So um, yeah, my third one is uh, Change of Heart. That was my... Um, Yes, the, the third last book I brought out. So this one is, um, I'm going to give a spoiler away here. So uh, so if you don't want if you haven't read it and you don't want to know, um, cover your ears now. But it's basically, um, the story is a, it's a kind of a fake relationship. Yeah, it is. A, no, it is a fake relationship. I'm like, I can't even remember my own book. Let me have a look at the back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's Erin uh, Stewart hires a fake date for her parents' anniversary party. Um, and obviously um, they fall for each other. She hires an actor who's had a heart transplant plant when she was 17 and Erin has got a dead twin sister and it turns out that she falls in love with the woman who's got a dead twin sister's heart. I, I, what? <laughs> so where did I come up with the inspiration for this, you might wonder. <laughs> uh, no, so it was. it's a weird one, this one, and it just goes to show, I, I guess what I wanted to sort of point out in these in these conversations is that it, like you said, with the diving dogs, you can come up with ideas for things when you least expect it, I suppose, um, and from weird sources. So I was watching a program called All That Glitters, which is a basically a um, a competition between jewelers to make a certain type of jewelry every week, and then one of them gets knocked out every week. Um, so you, then you whittle it down t- till you have the winning jeweler. Now I wouldn't normally watch this kind of show. However, one of my friends from school was a contestant and she's a really good jewellery designer. And so my mate rang me and said, Tamara's on this show. So we watched it. And and, um, every week, all the jewellers, they had to make a couple of things and then they had to make something for a particular person who had a story behind why they wanted to gift um, this piece of jewellery to someone. So for instance, it could be, I think one one week, it was a couple who'd done loads to help out people during covid uh, but they couldn't afford to buy a wedding ring so they got were going to get married without a ring so the jewelers made them a a wedding ring and one of the stories one week was about a woman who uh, this woman her son had died and he she he had her son had given this woman his eyes so she could see again right and so she he her dead son had donated his his iris what's cornea iris no, don't know. Eyeball. Yeah, eyeball. So, this woman who got the gift of sight wanted to make this woman a special brooch to say thank you. So I was sitting there watching this program, and I'm like, "Huh, that's interesting. What would happen in a lesbian romance if somebody fell in love with somebody who donated like a part of their a, a dead relative?" And though that's how I came up, that was the inspiration behind the story for Change of Heart. So. 
it you know it's quite random isn't it uh and then I, I set it in the scottish highlands and the reason i set it in the scottish highlands is because uh, i went on a trip all around the scottish highlands in the summer of 2021 and i was just so overwhelmed with how fantastic and spectacular it was i thought it would make a fantastic setting and it did so i married those that idea up with that setting and boom change of heart which um did really well so that's the inspiration behind that i i did not know about the heart part yeah and when i came up with the uh with the title i was like that's a great title for that story isn't it so it's her sister's heart yes yeah, so, the other person's chest yes that's, that's kind a, of that's a that's a that's a lot to take in. it is <laughs> How does she handle that scene? Well, it was it was actually quite an emotion. It, it it actually had quite an emotional element, obviously, to it. And also, I kind of went into a little bit more because the whole family hasn't really dealt with it. And so, like, with the sister's death, even though it was twenty years ago. And so, um, when when is it Steph or Erin? I can't remember. When um yeah, when Steph walks into their life and then Erin falls for her and then realizes that she's got her dead twin sister's heart, then that brings up the whole grief issue for the family and the parents have to come to terms with it. So it's quite it's quite emotional because obviously she rejects her at first because she's got a dead twin sister's heart. I missed the twin part the first time. It's the twin. It's the twin. That's the twin sister. Yes, I thought I'd go. <laughs> I thought I'd go full on with this. <laughs> TV's shocked. Her face is hilarious. She's like, I did not know the plot for this book. <laughs> I did not. This is take in. I feel like I need, like, shot or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went, I went full on for this one. I thought, well, you know, I thought it could happen. I think it's made a lot of people think. I did sort of couch it, you know, what would you, how would, how would you, react and i think i think it could go one way or the other couldn't it um and i think it goes both ways really in in the actual story because she doesn't react well at first but then eventually comes around because it's a romance but um but the, but there's a lot of emotional scenes um within it and you know obviously they're both freaked out by it because it's like one of them nothing nothing they can do about it but it's not what you expect no, it wasn't what I expected. No. Yeah, but, um, and and do you know what? I knew, I knew when I was writing it that it would, it would push some boundaries, I suppose, with what people were comfortable with. And I also knew, like, I, I remember I, we met up with some friends in in the Highlands when we were on holiday. My wife and I sat on a beach in the Highlands, one of the most gorgeous beaches ever, and we and we thrashed out the story basically while we were just sat there having lunch, and then we met them the next day. And I told them about this book that I was planning to write and I told them the story and and my friend screamed from the back seat. And she was like, you can't write that, it's incest. And I'm like, it's not incest. <laughs> but I knew then that people having such strong reactions to, to just a vague outline you're telling them, I thought that is gonna make people come to the story and, and debate it and so that's always a good thing you know like the only other book I've ever had that with was Before You Say I Do when I said that it was a bride falling in love with her bridesmaid everyone went what so you know it's a but this one was obviously more of a moral dilemma is that clear in the blurb I don't remember that part in the blurb no because obviously I don't want to give it away I don't want to give away the twist no. 
So, but I feel like the book's been out kind of long enough now that uh, I would talk about it. I that's why I haven't really talked about the inspiration for it because it would give it away. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I did not know that. And the fact that it was for uh, originally inspired by eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, you well, went from eyeballs to the heart. Yes. <laughs> I thought, well, it has to be the heart, right? It's a romance. Get to the heart of the matter, TB. Oh yeah, that that would have been another title there. It would have been. Yeah. Oh my god, I hadn't thought of that one. Quick, retitle the book. <laughs> or write write another. Write one. another one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you maybe you've set up a whole new trope we didn't even know about. Yeah, I should have put that on your book finder, shouldn't I? I can't find this trope in your <laughs> transplanted body parts, please. I just got a picture of Frankenstein. Probably not what you were going for. Whatever. No, no. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. I hope this has demonstrated that uh, ideas can come from many different sources. But, you know, ideas... Don't worry about saving up ideas. Ideas come all the time. And, you know, sometimes I approach the my next book and I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to write. But I, I, don't, I don't worry about it because I know that something will happen, even if I have to start writing to make it happen. But as long as you, the key thing is you have to just keep going out and experiencing life. Um, and even if you're not going, ah, ah, you know, you can still get inspiration from reading books and watching films and TV shows. That's quite often, you know, um, where we get our inspiration from. Yes, yes. Or, or, or uh, ESPN behind a bar. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, and the book I'm writing now, you know, is about football inspired by the Lionesses European Championship win, so... I was surprised you didn't talk about that one. Oh, well, I, I guess I, it was your last three books, so I haven't released well, that I, one yet. I, I talked about the one that's still being written. Right, okay. So I broke the rule. Yes, you I, did. I didn't know there was a rule. <laughs> All right, well, um, do let us know what you think. Um, what's been the inspiration for some of your novels? Uh, let us know. Um, let us know via the website lesbianswhowrite.com email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com facebook us twitter us at leswhowrite and instagram me at clairefic and join us next time uh, when we'll be discussing some other burning topic can't wait I love the burning topics yeah burning topic alright until then take care keep writing bye everybody Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.